Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. But John, it's hard to believe the elections are right here, the midterms. Um, yeah, you see them on, I don't watch a lot of TV, but uh, I do see some, like when I'm watching NFL or college, you know, it's on TV, it's on the radios, goodness, it is And the ads everywhere. are just bombarding you now, I yes. mean, you know, and they're all, of course, negative, and it's just, you could tell it's right here, and um, yeah. so that's on a lot of people's minds, and, um, you know, we just want to remind people that, you know, the stock market is not tied to elections yeah and, um, we had a good really good um uh discussion on that dfa did that we uh sent out to our clients that basically busted that myth yeah so. exactly exactly so um but then there's also football um yeah. hey South yeah, Carolina's I mean, is ranked in the top 25 who would have thunk can i, I mean, just take a little bit of you know should. You it's should been just, years you should just since i've had in it for a little while yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean that's 25. great good good for you guys five, I mean, and, you know, two. five and two that's yeah. a pretty good record doesn't so doesn't happen uh, too often so yeah, we'll, yeah. Uh, we can talk the whole sh- whole show if you want to we can go back and recap the games and oh we should um, yeah yeah clemson's off this week though so it's yeah. kind of a quiet week uh, and, okay all right and georgia's playing somebody they're gonna beat up on somebody florida florida <clears> and uh but we've got good topics so i mean we wouldn't want to you know we people are listening not for our football knowledge steve Probably not, right. John. Probably yeah, not. It wasn't because so, of our, our, yeah, our financial, financial entertainment and, and information. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So, there is that. Um, so, that's always fun. And uh, But we do have some great topics, John, and very timely topics. Um, you know, the first one we're going to start off with here is um, seven ways to protect yourself from inflation because – Inflation is real. I mean, it has been very sticky this year, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not been transitory. As it has not <laughs> the been Fed transitory. And exactly. Were so, about. you know, so after a year of inflation, it, it's time to start thinking of how can you protect yourself if this continues on for a year or two or three more. You know, hopefully not. But, um, but yeah, we have some great ideas. Seven ways here to kind of look at your situation and help position yourself. To, to lessen the impact of inflation going forward. Yeah, and then we're going to switch gears. And uh, this is a really interesting topic. It's from the uh, financial planning magazine that, that we subscribe to. And it's talking about people taking their advice from social media, and they're called finfluencers. So they're influencers, but they talk about finances. And there's no regulation on it. Um, there's a lot of scams out there. There's a lot of people uh, saying they know what they you know, are talking about. And in some cases, maybe they do, but most cases they don't. So taking your financial advice from a Finfluencer is dangerous. It, it is the wild west it out is. there. So yeah. I love that topic. It's going to be a good one because, yeah, I mean, it's just more and more people out there, you know, that they get these huge followings yep. that are out there peddling financial advice and you got to be very careful. So good topic. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 27 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 30 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. We are up every Friday morning. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have um, links to the podcast. You can go back and catch up with past weeks. And uh, certainly, again, I talk about this pretty much every time, but listening during the pandemic was is always interesting to me because yes. that was a time of uncertainty, which we're in right now, but uh, just kind of gives you a little bit of hope of 
where we went through the pandemic and how we came out on the other side. So moneymd.net is a great place to go check out. Also, um, we have a MoneyMD Facebook page. Put the prescription of the week out there every week. I think this week, it's. Uh, I think you're up. Yeah, that's yep. right. I will be up. So stay tuned. I'll be sharing that with you <laughs> shortly here. Um, and also check out, check us out um, on our website to link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll talk about those right here on the show. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, I came across this just doing some research on on financial facts and um, for the for the podcast today. And this number seems a little low to me, but twenty five percent of Americans say they don't have anyone that can they can ask for trusted financial guidance. And um, gosh, it seems like it'd be like. 75% of people. Probably, they probably flip that. Yeah, most people I, probably don't. Yeah. Honestly. So, I mean, if you, you know, and it's confusing. I mean, like we, we're going to talk about in a minute, the Finfluencers, and then you hear um, not only social media, but you also have your your Uncle Joe giving you tips, and then you have your, your golf buddies, you know, talking to you about what right. to buy, what not to buy. So there's a lot of confusing information. You do need someone in your life whether it's a financial advisor, maybe it's a CPA, uh, an attorney, someone that you can run by big decisions um, before you, you know, go down the wrong hole. Well, and the reason probably it's only 25% is they left out one important word, and that's competent person to give <laughs> yeah. you trusted financial yeah, advice. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, your uncle, you know, uncle, you know, Joe, Joe, whoever. Yeah. yeah he's not the trusted person you want to get. He may be from. trusted, but not competent. I mean, he doesn't. Not competent. Yeah. He doesn't know what he's doing. So yeah. yeah, you need somebody that's, you know, hopefully a professional, but at least somebody that's got a sound mind and, and, and somebody that has a great track record, you know, that can, you can bounce ideas yeah, off some of. Some experience, so, you know, that goes a long way. Yeah. So good, good, um, uh, fact of the week for sure. Um, that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the seven ways to protect yourself from inflation. Um, and this is a very recent article out of the Wall Street Journal, John. But, you know, when inflation first appeared last year, I mean, we all heard from our government that it was transitory, <laughs> you know, meaning yeah. that it was it was going to be temporary. In other words, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, it won't last long. It won't affect you in any significant way. Ah, just don't pay attention to that number out there. You know, it's just this fictitious number. Well, of course, we all know that was a bunch of hogwash, right? I mean, inflation is not only real, it was going to get a lot worse as it did. And now it's obvious. I mean, it's a big deal and it's likely going to hang around a while longer, you know, um, even after it's been around for a year. So we're all kind of feeling this squeeze here everywhere from groceries that we buy to the gas that we pump into our cars, not to mention you know, house prices and vehicle prices. Um, it's a real deal. Yeah. Back in June, the inflation stood at about 9%, and that was the highest rate in 41 years. And it's it's been north of 8% for six months now. And so, you know, the inflation rate has certainly remained persistently high and has forced the Federal Reserve um, to shift to, you know, increasing the interest rates quicker than what they had originally projected. In fact, we'll likely see the fourth straight three quarters of a rate increase um, next week when the when the Fed meets. I mean, that's the expectation. It's not a surprise. People are expecting three fourths of a, a rate increase, and so one reason inflation has has proven so sticky is that it kind of feeds on itself. I mean, higher inflation causes employers to have to to raise wages to keep their um, employees, which in turn forces companies to raise prices on everything they sell, leading to more inflation. Um, then you got the the transportation, which is a part of that, which increases the cost. So it's kind of a catch-22 problem 
which tends to spiral out of control once it gets started. So fortunately, most economists agree that the sharp increases in interest rates will eventually tame inflation, but it's taken a little bit of time. And, and eventually, higher interest rates cool the demand um, for everything from houses to retail goods and services um, because people can't borrow as much money to make these purchases. And I will say that the forecast, one of the reasons why the stock market has done so poorly this year is people are forecasting a recession next right. year, right? So that Absolutely. is built into the process. So these rate hikes, uh, where we are today, all the known information is built into the market, which is which is why it's down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we we factor in a lot of rate increases yes. into the price of stocks and the economy here. Um, and so we know the Fed's not done. They're going to continue on into next year, and that's that's already factored well into the market prices. Um, but meanwhile, you know, we need all need to take a step back, and we need to consider, you know, what can we do to kind of mitigate the impact of inflation on our wallets and our budgets and even our investments. Um, so here are some of the top advice from advisors and economists around the country on how to deal with the effects of inflation and to position yourself for the best outcome when things recover. Um, the first step, though, is to, is to determine how the real impact of inflation is going to have on you and to understand what it means to you. Um, you know, the Consumer Price Index, <clears throat> the CPI, which is calculated by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, is a relatively broad measure of inflation. But while, you know, metrics like the CPI do a relatively good job of describing inflation for the average consumer, they really do a poor job of capturing how it affects your unique consumption characteristics. I mean, for example, the CPI, um, you know, has motor fuel built into it, and it represents about 5% of the assumed total household spending for the average person. But, and, you know, but fuel is up 44% over the past year. Mm -hmm. My goodness, right? So, you know, as of this last summer when this was written. So used cars and trucks, you know, represent about 4% of the total expenditures. And that's up 22.7% over the same period. So, you know, if you can hold off on buying a new car, for instance, you can feel much less of the sting from those big increases. Um, or if you can drive something that's more efficient, you know, and change your habits, um, you know, then there are certain components of inflation that tend to affect older investors much more. Um, and, and they have arisen less, for example, like medical care services are only up 2.1% hmm. over the past year, which is surprising. Yeah. It hasn't gone up more. Yeah. yeah. Um, so putting off medical procedures that you fear are going to cost more may not be worth the risk. So understanding how inflation impacts you um, is is more important, in, you know, in determining how you're going to respond to it and what you can do to, to, to you know, defer some of those increases. Yeah. So, I mean, one of them you just mentioned is uh, that you can do is delay buying a new vehicle. I mean, the data is staggering. The new vehicle prices uh, are up about 14% from March of 2021, and the prices for used cars and trucks are up almost 35%. I mean, that's wow. a massive number. So, you know, if you have a vehicle lease expiring soon, you know, you possess a valuable way to avoid those higher prices by simply purchasing your lease vehicle when that lease expires. I mean, you'll almost be getting a, an almost new vehicle and and uh, for an inflation-free price. Um, you may be tempted to trade for a new car or a used car, but you got to think again. I mean, this may be a great time to implement the late Larry Burkett's 
timeless advice of driving your current car until it falls you know, apart. So <laughs> basically, yeah. So seriously, hanging on to your current vehicle for another year or two could easily avoid a five or $10,000 markup uh, people are paying. So try to extend the life of your vehicle. You know, it may cost you a little bit more in maintenance, but it's going to save you a tremendous amount in inflation that we see in those cars. Yeah, I always like the late Larry Burkett's advice. You know, it was obviously he was extremely conservative. So, you know, he, he used to say, yeah, drive your car till it turns to dust and sweep up the dust and drive it a little further, you know, nice, <laughs> nice. advice. So, nice. but yeah, I mean, new cars right now, it's not the time to buy even a used car. So yeah, put that off if at all possible. That's a good one. Also delay, delaying taking social security can help mitigate inflation down the road. I mean, for individuals who have other funds to support their retirement lifestyle, you know, putting off collecting social security can be a smart inflation hedge. Um, beyond the built-in increases that are that are tied to your benefits um, and the consumer price index, every year Social Security benefits are delayed past full retirement. The amount of the benefit increases by about eight um, percent. Plus, um, you know, an individual with a full retirement benefit at age sixty-seven, for example, maybe a thousand dollars a month could increase their benefit to $1,240 a month by delaying to age 70. So that's a 24% increase. So yeah, delaying Social Security can can help, you know, give you a raise later on in life, in, in retirement, and um, help mitigate inflation. So that's that's a good one. Another one is, you know, when you're working, you might ask for a raise. Um, mm, I like that. Know, absolutely. I mean, with the current high inflation rate, it's time for workers to develop some bargaining skills and, you know, getting the 3% normal increase for cost of living just isn't going to get it done anymore, right? So so maybe it's time, you know, to 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 get a little bit, you know, get some backbone and, and actually ask for a raise. I mean, salary increases that one normally gets, you know, are likely to be below inflation. So it's important to ask for higher raises, you know, if you're not keeping up with inflation. Um, data on financial literacy also shows that most people think, um, in normal terms rather than real terms, but without an increase in salary that matches the rate of inflation, you know, you're going to be losing purchasing power. So, you know, nominal dollars is the actual amount your money is, is earned, you know, can spend for how much it's actually worth mm -hmm. in terms of real dollars. So, you know, given the state of the labor market, it's a great time to, you know, use that leverage given that the work work is tight. I mean, jobs are tight, so people have more bargaining power, so it's time to cash in on that. Yeah, and increase uh, the income. Yeah. I like sure that you, one. Yep. That's absolutely. a very good one. That's very good. I like that. The The fourth one here is time your unexpected purchases. And, you know, consumers, we, we obviously advise people to have cash and other liquidity for unexpected expenses, such as house or car repairs or even medical bills. There's another use for that cash on hand, and that's making expected purchases on sale and ahead of time. So if you have some some cash, you can maybe you know get some better prices. This only works with non-perishables, but um, the real value is reaped when you buy these goods when there's a sale on them and it's something that you're going to potentially use in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this opportunistic spending, you know, it takes a little bit of planning. I mean, for example, you know, back to school supplies go on sale after school starts. So instead of waiting. For next fall, you know, when when things are, are going to be limited in supply and the prices are going to be higher, 
you know, um, you know, go purchase that stuff now, you know, after school's already started for next year. Um, you know, research, research shows that households tend to hold inventories of consumer goods worth about $1,000 or $1,100 on average. But by shopping strategically and optimally managing your inventories, I mean, households can potentially earn returns well above 20% of the on their household working capital, you know, in other words, mm -hmm. by, you know, buying stuff at the right time and, and holding that inventory until you really need it. You know, the key is not to stockpile too much at full cost, but only buy when the price is right. Yeah. Don't stockpile too much. I see that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes people go crazy. So yeah, only buy what you need. Okay. But you can buy it early is the point. My dad's a, a do diet Dr. Pepper fan and I'll go to their uh, house sometimes and he'll have cases upon cases of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, like, I like diet, I like diet Coke, but you know, it only lasts like three months. Yeah, You know, know the shelf yeah. life isn't forever. So yeah. you got to be kind of sensible yep. about what you buy for sure. And then another one is control your lifestyle creep. Um, you know, inflation can be an opportunity to try to cut down on the kind of the lifestyle creep. You know, one way households can do this is by keeping their budget flat despite rising costs. I mean, for instance, if your expenses came out to $5,000 a month last year, you know, try to get in, get by on 5000 a month again in, in this year. Um, and if you end up facing, you know, 8% inflation or higher this year, I mean, you know, try to keep that spending flat to kind of cut down on some of the areas that you're, that you're spending too much on. Um However, I mean, spending inertia is very common, and oftentimes there are some expenses that can't be cut, you know, um, but there are other ones that can be cut without a lot of impact. So just take a look at your budget, you know, and and simply, you know, look at where your money goes um, month to month and see what you can cut out, see how you can kind of tame those expenses to keep them from just ratcheting up every single year and creeping up into a new level of expenses. That's really yeah. the key here. That's a good one. Another one here we, we talk about frequently is, um, you know, uh, number six on the list is invest more in the stock market. I mean, the market is down. Um, past performance does not guarantee future results. But, I mean, historically, the last 80 years, I mean, stocks have been, you know, one of the only reliable investments of beating inflation over time. So inflation is high and it's probably going to be here for a little bit. So it's important that your invested investments preserve your wealth and spending power to keep up with inflation. So, you know, you can do that by um, increasing your allocation to stocks since they're down at this point. Um, you know, you can, you certainly need to balance your risk and time horizon, but if you can afford a little bit more risk with your plans and the time horizon, uh, consider taking advantage of a down market to increase that allocation to stocks and keep up with the inflation going forward. Um, you can also add money as well. There's different ways to do that, but you know, historically, this has um, has been a good time to invest in the markets when they're down. Absolutely, absolutely. And and here's the last one here, number seven. And you know, if you're unhappy with your current job, then now would be a great time to update your resume and get the job you want. Um, you know, given the tight job job market that's out there, I mean, there is an opportunity for you know, many employees to find new positions. And when you make that switch in an inflationary period like this, you usually get a nice bump up, right? Because they have to offer more money. Um, so where your current job might not be keeping up with inflation, changing jobs in an inflationary period like this will usually give you that bump up to keep up with inflation. It's a great time to do that, with a, particularly with a tight job market. 
Um, so you may be able to find something that's more personally satisfying as well. You know, and if higher inflation continues for another two or three years, as some economists predict, I mean, your higher income is going to be an important buffer for that. So dust off your resume, get your skills up to date, make sure you're, you know, you're, you're in the right job and you're able to keep up with inflation in that job. So good topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our next thing. And that is the question of the week. Yeah, We had this question, uh, Matthew and I did recently, and it's, uh, should I sell a rental house that has a significant gain to pay off my credit card debt and car loans, which are also very high and have a rate of 20%. Mm. So let me go through some math here. Um, just ballpark, $100,000 gain in the rental house, $100,000 debt um, for credit cards. So those balance out to zero, right? Yes, I mean, so yes. net worth at zero, right? They, they balance out. Right. So we recommended sell the, the stinking rental house, for sure. 100000 go pay off something that you're paying 20% on. And you're still zero. I mean, it still balances out, but the stress level that those credit cards were creating was enormous. I mean, it was just yeah. overwhelming for this couple. And so, absolutely. Yeah, it was a very easy decision. Um, they're in the process of implementing that. But yeah, I mean, if you have an asset over here that can take away some of this horrible debt, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Not only does it lower your stress level, I mean, there's almost no chance that rental house is making 20% a year. No. no. And that debt is yeah. guaranteed to cost you 20% yeah, a year. Yeah, it's spiraling so out of control. You so. can't let that happen. So yeah, absolutely. Selling an asset like that to pay off your 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 credit cards, kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, easy so. decision. Yep. Easy decision. Good, good question of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is social media influencers or misleading investors. No, John, tell what? me it ain't so. <laughs> it is, man. TikTokers and YouTubers. What? The YouTubers out there? Dude, they're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, this comes from the financial planning uh, magazine that we, we subscribe to. Really great information uh, in there. And one TikToker says you can turn, Steve, $1,000 into a million in just 100 days. Wow, a thousand into a, a million, million in, in just a hundred days. I'm not even sure what their rate of return on that is. Oh, that would be phenomenal. It yeah, would be I, a pretty that, good return. Yeah, I, that'd know. be interesting to look, watch that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another promise is that in real estate, you can make money out of thin air. And a third one says you can become a millionaire by stealing hotel soap and avoiding store-bought cleansers and investing your savings in an index fund. Well, that that that's probably true, actually. The index <laughs> fund is not a bad idea, but... You know, yeah. some of these oh. scenarios just sound too good to be true. Yeah, right? I don't like the hotel soap. No, not the hotels. I wasn't <clears throat> referring to that one. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the index fund is a good one. So, uh, and so these scenarios, you know, they're they're um, really being touted by social media celebrities, also known as finfluencers, and they offer financial advice to their followers. And and while not all fin uh, finfluencers are malicious. Um, experts warn that many of them spread misinformation. They confuse investors or even push stocks that they're secretly paid to promote. And what you know, makes matters worse is right. they're very persuasive entertainers. That's basically what they are. They're entertainers. Yes, they are. That's the key. You've yeah. got to remember who they are. They're not <clears throat> licensed. They're not in this, you know, in the in industry for actually making money for you. They're, they're entertainers. Yeah, that's right. And so we're <clears throat> living in an age, you know, very talented, emotional um, influencers are out there. They have the ability and the medium to tell very attractive stories and they can use language that they would never 
you know, um, be able to use in front of clients in, in, a, in a, an investment, um, you know, setting because we have rules and regulations associated with it. So it's kind of the wild, wild west. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and they are very good. I mean, there's one that I follow on uh, on YouTube, John, called his name Stephen Graham, mm. um, you know, and he's he's very entertaining. Um, he really is, you know, and the, the dude, I don't even think has a college degree. He didn't finish college. You know, he tells his whole life story out there. He's He's really good um, to listen to, but, you know, you can't take his advice. I mean, it's always this bombastic headline, you know, the market's going to crash or, you know, how I made, you know, a million dollars in real estate, you know, or something like this, you know, and how you can too. The implication is you can too, but there's never any disclosures, you know, there's not licensed, you know, there's no professional background, you know, in what he's doing. Um, He's been truly successful, but he did it through YouTube because he's got yeah. like a million subscribers. He's an entertainer. He's an entertainer. <clears throat> That's right. And you got to remember that, you know, you can't take that advice as anything <clears throat> that's definitive or professional. Um, yeah. Finfluencers, they're not bound by the same regulations as financial advisors and you know, the rules that, that they don't apply to them. They just, <clears throat> they aren't, I mean, you know, they're, they don't have any enforcement. <clears throat> There's no oversight. And without those guardrails, I mean, there are a few limits on what they can say. And in some cases, you know, nothing is forcing them to disclose who's paying them, you know, and they're oftentimes paid by some sponsor sure. that, you know, is, is part of what they're touting. So, you know, the <clears throat> the National Association of Securities Administrators, um, you know, they're a correlation of financial regulators. And, and they say, they just point out that, you know, there's no oversight at all on these finfluencers. You've got to take it for what it is. And that's entertainment. Yeah. So, if the, you know, these finfluencers are testing the limits of what uh, is considered regulated and investment advice and protected free speech. And while there's nothing new about marketers paying celebrities to endorse their products, what is different is that such a, a hyper emotional endorsement is being made in what's a a really regulated industry with stringent rules about performance claims and disclosures about potential conflicts of interest. So it's just uh, it's a medium that a lot of people are, are using and listening to. And boy, some of the advice out there is not good. So, you know, in a, in a country uh, rife with elder fraud, one might expect the victims of these finfluencers to be aging baby, baby boomers. But Steve, in reality, the targets tend to be much younger. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, they say most millennials now and Gen Gen Zers (laughs) get their information about investing from social media rather than from brokerages or financial advisors. And that tends to to kind of accelerate in recent years. I mean, in 2021, you know, in the wake of the the COVID-19 pandemic, I mean, downloads of investment apps increased by 20 percent and the time spent on those apps nearly doubled. And, you know, we had the, the onset of all these meme stocks that everybody invested in. Sure. And we know what happened to those, right? Yeah. I mean, we've seen Crushed. that this year. They've got, they got crushed, you know, and that's what happens. So all of this kind of created this new and eager audiences for Finfluencers to peddle questionable advice, you know, if not down outright misinformation. Yeah. And so this, this uh, advisor they're quoting in here, his name is Jean-Pierre, um, has a lot of uh, clients and investors in their early 20s. And he says the problem is um, not that clients are naive about the internet. It's like they're too familiar with it. And he's afraid that the younger generation, the the, the 20-somethings, are being taken advantage of because their whole experience has been online and they have a lot of trust with it. And, um, you know, a lot of people's identities were formed online and they, they trust strangers on the internet much more than previous generations did. So 
but you know, scams and misinformation, there's ways that you can spot this. Yeah, you got to look at what they're saying and what they're peddling right. I mean, you know, when they start using words like guaranteed, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a buzzword that, you know, says there's not legitimate, right? I mean, they're, and so no one can perfectly predict the stock market. If someone claims that an investment carries no risk or something like that, that is certainly a red flag. Yeah. And so, you know, there are the other red flags are, you know, if someone creates a false sense of urgency, that's yeah. always a big, big, big time red flag. Refusing to disclose sources of information, not showing credentials or registration as a financial professional. Uh, there's also another um, another one that's more specific to Finfluencers, and that's contempt for professional expertise. Many of the, the misinformation on social media just completely uh, dismiss everything in regard to the financial industry. They'll talk about the Wall Street Journal is not right, and, and they'll go against a lot of the history that we see. And again, they're, they're very emotional sellers, and so you just got to be careful. I don't yeah, there there's some good folks out there. We're not trying to say some influencers right. don't have good information, but you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it it probably is too good to be true. And I'll tell you, I mean, what we're big believers in the Dave Ramsey organization. That's a great. Yeah. Um, they're I guess they're a social media company now, but they just have great tried and true um, you know beliefs and processes. So that would be someone I would encourage people to latch on to. Yeah. Don't just go out on the internet and look for somebody that's, you know, verified, you know, check mark on Twitter or something. I mean, that's not a credential for, for, for giving out financial advice. So just be careful what you read out there on the internet. You know, don't confuse that with tried and true, you know, um, investment or financial advice that you would get from, you know, a professional. Okay. So, um, yeah, Finfluencers, they're entertainers. Remember that they're entertainers. <laughs> So, all right, very good. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. And what it is this week, John, is, um, you know, believe it or not, Christmas is right around the corner. Don't know how it happens like that. It's amazing. You <clears throat> know, we're headed right into, we're almost into November here. So it's time to start planning for Christmas. So, you know, the, the prescription this week is to make your list of, the, of what you're going to be buying for Christmas for gifts you know, what your budget is, and then start shopping early because as we mentioned earlier, you know, timing your purchases is a great way to save money. And, you know, we have Cyber Monday coming up. We have Black Friday coming up. We have times when you can buy things a lot cheaper than if you wait till December. So make your list, start planning for Christmas and start shopping early to save money and, and make it less stress come yeah. December. Yeah, that's good. There you go. All right. Well, that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You know, you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Happy Halloween. only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. About a certain sum.